All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Polo Show. I know I've been out for a minute. I was doing a lot of different stuff, but make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Also, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just make sure to turn on those notifications so you know when our newest episodes drop. I was out for a bit. Um, I'm still dealing with the after effects of a sunburn from a really awesome weekend in San Diego. I've um, kind of been back and forth between the Bay Area and Arizona. Been moving around quite a bit. So it has been a minute since the last episode, but we are back on the grind. It is time to get this back, get this back going. You know, obviously, there's been a lot going on with the playoffs in the NBA, so it's about time I give my two cents on that. Um, I've been pretty active on Twitter, just haven't really um, had a lot of time to just kind of sit down, figure out when I can just get these episodes out. So now I have some time, so definitely want to get this one out. we got to talk Warriors, okay? We're obviously in the Western Conference Finals now, um, really to just the conference finals round in general for the NBA playoffs so we're going to dive into that I'm also going to kind of give my take a little bit on how I feel about the Warriors so far in these playoffs um, and where I see it going Um, so we're just going to go ahead and and dive into it this is going to be a huge basketball episode today we're not really going to get into football today we'll get into that when some real stuff happens you're not going to catch me just jumping on a bunch of Trey Lance stuff nonstop. it's not going to happen I'm kind of I'm tired guys I'm tired 49er quarterback stuff like dude it was it was fun in March it's not fun anymore it's not fun anymore. it's actually it's actually dreadful I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear from random people casting weird hate on Trey Lance or people who claim they were former NFL scouts if you know what I mean so I, I'm not here for that right now I'm not here for that it's the NBA playoffs this feels like home it really really does um, <clears throat> and the Warriors in the last round just beat the Grizzlies in six games obviously to advance to the conference finals for first time since 2019 so basically it's like the Warriors kind of missed out on the last couple of years with injuries um, now that they're healthy here they are once again right back on the stage but um, it was not pretty at all I, I want to make that very clear um, I, a lot of people are acting very very optimistic about the Warriors I'm not saying not to they're still my pick to win the title it's asinine that like the ringer podcast has them as the lowest chance to win the title it's asinine to me but at the same time, I'm not going to act like, oh, I'm so overly confident in the fact that like a team like Dallas doesn't stand a chance or a team like Miami or Boston won't stand a chance. I get it. You know, in the past, we've seen it. I saw it firsthand. I saw all those playoff games, probably like 95% of those playoff games in person, including those finals games. I understand. I, I actually made a bet with a friend one time when they were down 3-1 to the Thunder. I made a bet with them. I remember I said, I'll give you $100 if they lose at any point in the playoffs and if they win the whole thing you have to give me 10 I remember telling them that and that was when they were down 3-1 to the Thunder and I get it because that team was just different it was like you just knew they weren't going to go out a certain way you've seen it too many times this team is a little different they're very very mistake prone this is a much younger team aside from like Steph Clay and Draymond and a couple veterans you know some key players like Wiggins and Jordan Poole Jonathan Kuminga they're not used to this stage okay and Looking at that series, it was one of the ugliest series, ugliest series victories that I've ever witnessed from this core. It was honestly gross. It, it was it was awful and dreadful to watch. But hey, a win's a win. I, I like to say the ugly wins are the best ones. But at the same time, in the playoffs, wow. Now I understand they haven't had a lot of time to play their core together, but still, I mean, all the way from game one with Draymond ejection, it was pretty amazing that they were able to pull off that win in the first place which is where the championship pedigree comes into play. But, I mean, they could have very easily lost that series, guys. Let's be honest. 
I mean, they squeak by in game one. They shoot terribly in game two. They turn the ball over way too much in game two as well. I mean, sure, they lit up the court for 142 points in game three, but then John Morant goes down, and then they played back-to-back ugly games without Steve Kerr on the sideline, which I do believe played a factor. I mean, game four was a game where, like, it just felt like they had no business winning it. Like, it was just so embarrassing. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst game this team has ever played. They somehow pull it off, and I'm sitting there like, there's no way they can do worse than that. And guess what? Game five happened. I don't even want to revisit that one. Let's forget about that. Um, easily the most embarrassing loss this core has ever had. Okay, regardless of when it's still a win. The issue is is not like me over analyzing, oh, how they won these games or whatever. The issue is that this deep in the season, they've showed a lot of flaws. Right? They've shown that they are a very flawed team, and it's really all self-inflicted, which is kind of the same story with this team all the way back to 2015. It's the self-inflicted issues. It's, I've always they've always kind of had this thing about them where they were their own worst enemy every single time that they've been contenders because of turnovers, because of, you know, trying to make the big play instead of just making the simple pass, trying to thread the needle. It's been a constant pattern with this team. It's gone, it's gone on for years. Okay. And these things just can't be carrying over. Okay. There's some seriously bad habits that need to be addressed in this series. And game one, they shot pretty well from from two, and and obviously they woke up in the second half, and Dallas didn't play that great. But there were some bad passes in there too. Um, But if you're getting off to slow starts the way they did in that series and and you're going to be loose with the basketball, it is a recipe for disaster. I mean, you can have all the better shooters and the talent, but at the end of the day, if you're in the playoffs against, you know, the best players in the world and you're giving them more opportunities to beat you, you better believe that they will, right? This is not the same team back in the day – with Kevin Durant. Okay, they were so talented at that point that their margin for error was pretty great. You know, they could make a lot of errors when Kevin Durant was on the team and they would still survive. Like it was just such a good team where talent would bail them out. Right? And, and it's a matter of getting back to the simple passes and, and not trying to make the home run play every time down the floor, you know, hitting singles throughout the game and and keeping defenses on their toes in situations where they have to keep reacting because at some point just by making defenses react nonstop with all the off-ball movement, the cutting, the screen setting, the um, you know the ball hopping around the floor, just by reacting so much, they're gonna they're gonna make mistakes. And when you make mistakes with teams that have these kinds of shooters, you're in trouble. And that's what makes the Warriors great. And that, all that being said, I still believe the Warriors win it all. You know, this was the best team in the league before Draymond got got hurt when he hurt his back. Right? He he had to go out um, January 9th. Um, he, he technically played the game, but he only did the jump ball just to be out there with Clay Thompson, right? So if Draymond Green doesn't go down for those 30-plus games this year, I'll die on the hill that they would have won 65 games and been the number one seed. Going into Clay Thompson's return, the Suns had played one more game than the Warriors. They were 30-5. and five. The Warriors were 29-5. and five. So they were half a game back, basically tied for first. And Draymond goes down for 30-plus games, and then he comes back. And then just after, you know, a couple games and he's on minute restriction, Steph Curry goes down for basically, like, you know, the rest of the year until the playoffs come around. So, yeah, I I think this team, it's crazy to me that the last few days people are acting so surprised that the Warriors are where they're at. How can you be surprised at a team being in the conference finals when they were running the regular season? I mean, there's a point where, okay, them and the Suns were neck and neck. But if you actually looked, and I can't remember how long this went on for, but 
their point differential was so much better than the Suns, where it's like, okay, their records are identical, but the Suns are winning these narrow games, whereas the Warriors are beating the crap out of teams. There's a difference, and that was without Klay Thompson. You know, we could talk about the Suns all we want to, especially since I live in Arizona now, and um, I had season tickets out there just because I love basketball. But what I saw, you know, I, I saw a team um, really up close this year when it came to the Suns where although I had a lot of respect for them, because don't get me wrong, they were as well-constructed. You could ever ask a roster to be, uh, you know, really, really just well-put-together rosters, what I would say. I mean, from top to bottom, the depth they had, the athleticism, um, the skill, the fundamental basketball that they played, it was it was awesome to see. It was really cool to watch in person. I'm not going to lie, especially the way they would execute in close games. Um, I had a respectable fear for them, of course. Um, I didn't want to completely write them off. Um, I just never saw them, though, as a team that could overcome the Warriors in a seven-game series. You know, that's why I wasn't – I was surprised, but not that surprised that Dallas pulled it off. It came down to – this against Dallas, okay? Their top-end talent just isn't as good as the other team's top-end talent, right? I mean, in the East, if we're going to look at the East, too, there's Giannis, right? At Boston, you look at Jason Tatum, right? Yeah, you could throw Jalen Brown in there, too, I guess. Dallas, they went up against Dallas, of course. Luka Doncic, right? That's in the West. And then, of course, the Warriors were, like, in my opinion, I like to say they're, like, the modern version of the Spurs of the 2010s. Right, the core of like three guys with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. They move the ball around well, and they have championship experience together. And the Suns have a very good shooting guard and a very good point guard who is aging and has always been a guy who comes up short in the playoffs. Right, Where were the top dogs in Phoenix, though, when they were needed most? That's the kind of thing you have to really look at. And not only that, but... Man, that team all year just feels like they felt really confident coming off a year where they lost in the finals. Like they, It felt like they really rode that a lot. I mean, this is a team that literally threw themselves a parade for winning the conference finals last year. Go look up the videos. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. Always beware of teams like that because those are the ones that usually just mentally, they collapse. When they cross paths with guys who are locked into the task at hand, that's the difference. Remember the, t the clip of Luca walking into the tunnel after losing, and now they're down 3-2. And he was like, guys act tough when they're up. Right? It's easy, easy to act tough when you're up. And Luca goes out there, leads his team to two straight wins. And, and I'm, I'm going a bit on the Suns tangent here, but yeah, and that's because I wanted to talk about the previous round as well since I haven't been around as much. But I got to get this in here. Chris Paul, man. We need to stop with the excuses. We need to stop with the excuses for this guy. And the reason I felt like it was important to talk about this, because I kept hearing it after Game 7, um, hearing about, oh, he deserves a ring. And obviously the Patrick Beverly stuff came out, and he was on TV. I honestly don't really have a problem with anything Patrick Beverly said on TV at all, in all honesty, because if Steph Curry, who has three rings, by the way, if he ever went out in a series like Chris Paul just did in a Game 7, you better believe he'd be getting cru crucified by media. I mean, come on. If, if Steph Curry did that in a Game 7, we're going to seriously sit here and act like, oh, it was Clay, it was Draymond. No, no fucking way that's what we're talking about. No way. Okay, the, the way he plays, first of all, Chris Paul, 
is honestly just annoying. You know, I, I really I don't get the way this whole thing that people say he deserves a ring. I've never seen a player that draws rip fouls 90 feet away from the basket. I never, I never see it. Like th- that's the way that Chris Paul plays, man. And it's funny too because people always make excuses for games like Game Seven by saying he's a pass-first point guard, so he shouldn't be the one that has a score a bunch. Sure, there's blame on everybody. They all played terrible. Devin Booker played terrible. I get that. But saying he's a pass-first point guard, like okay, so if you're a leader of a team and you're capable of scoring, it's not like Chris Paul's not capable of scoring. I expect you, even as a pass-first guy, to not have more fouls than points midway through the game. Did we not see Chris Paul last year in, in a closeout game against his former team, the Clippers, on the road in the Western Conference Finals? Didn't we see him put them away by dropping 41 points on them and elevating his team to get to the NBA Finals? So we can't act like the guy's not capable of stepping up and being more aggressive. He just didn't. It's that simple. I remember people used to complain a lot when he was on the Clippers about how, oh, they're better without uh, they're better without Blake Griffin. No, they were not better without Blake Griffin. They were better when Chris Paul was more aggressive. That's the thing about Chris Paul to me. is in those games, he gets a pass for taking single-digit shot attempts, and he gets the pass because they say he's a playmaker. It's not his role. Come on, man. I'm beginning to seriously wonder if he's had a better career than Russell Westbrook. I am. And hear me out on this because Westbrook has an MVP. He has a scoring title. He has a finals appearance, uh, finals appearance and no championships. So, okay, they're in the same boat there. His numbers are better than Chris Paul as well when it comes to scoring and rebounding. He's the triple-double king. Chris Paul is a handful of blown 2-0 leads in the playoffs. Why does one guy get the slander and one guy gets the excuses? You know, I'm just saying, okay, like, sure, Chris Paul's a better leader with the teams that he's had because of his playing style, I guess, for sure. I mean, there's no debating that, I would say. But at the end of the day, he doesn't get it done either. So I don't get this pedestal that we put Chris Paul on after that Game 7. It was just, And I guess it's resonating more with me because I live in Arizona and I live in Phoenix, so I keep hearing the local broadcasters, the way that they pump this team up, the way that the city of Phoenix acts like this was the blueprint of the NBA coming off a loss in the finals, like this team is the blueprint. I was like, it's just delusion. And the defense Chris Paul gets, a lot of it, it's also delusion. Because I'll tell you right now, you might be, if you're listening to this, you might be like thinking, like, okay, that's an asinine take with Russell Westbrook. Well, here's my point to that. I know for a fact Russell Westbrook, as much as I love to slander the guy, because I hate Russell Westbrook defenders as much as anybody else, I know he's not going to go out in a Game 7 of an NBA playoff series when they're the first seed team taking eight shots. I can guarantee you that. It just doesn't cut it for me. It, it just doesn't. Anyways, I don't want to turn this into a whole conversation about that. That can be something different. okay? But, but seriously, I just don't understand the excuses and why people say he deserves a ring and and that it's always only his teammates that let him down. They try to make it like it's never his fault. It's just inconsistent and kind of weird, but that's also sports, so what are you going to do? But going into these Western Conference Finals, okay, obviously, because I want to keep this as centric to the Warriors as possible. They're playing Dallas, okay? Game one, they got a nice win. It was a sizable margin, and it felt more like Warriors basketball. I mean... Andrew Wiggins did a phenomenal job, I thought, defensively. Luka Doncic is not going to play like that again, though. I mean, he had more turnovers than he had shots made. It's not going to happen. I could see it on Luka's face after the game, too. It kind of felt like I looked at his face, 
And I was like, yeah, he, he's probably going to drop like a 35-point triple-double game two. Um, that's just, He's going to show up. Luka's not going to disappear for a whole series. Do I expect Dallas to win? No, but I say six games. I just do. Um, I know that they have home court in this series, and obviously they got game one that they want to chase. But this team is four, sorry, no, three wins away now from being back in the finals. That's just incredible to say, right? I see a lot of people riding off Dallas, though, and I do believe the Warriors are head and shoulders a better team, 100%. They should win the series. But like I said, I'm not going to say it's a sweep or five games. I'm going six because this team just beat a very good basketball team. And Luka, Luka Doncic is so damn special. He's so damn special. I mean, this guy's on another level, and he's still so young. If this guy gets some superstar help, one day he, he's going to win multiple championships. I fully expect him to show up the rest of this series. I don't think he'll have a worse game than he just had. I think you got Luka's worst game. They only scored, you know, like I think it was 87 points. So I don't think you're going to bank on that. I, don't, I really don't think so. However, I do think the Warriors will shoot better from three in other games. But I'm really not going to bank on the fact that Luka Doncic is going to have more turnovers than shots made after the way he's played really his whole career in the playoffs. He's always been big time. Now, it's a matter of two things. First, can the Warriors not be their biggest enemy? And second, how will they limit the supporting cast of Dallas? Right? It's one thing to make Luka go off for these monster numbers, right? These monster games every night because... You're not going to win four games against the Warriors in a span of seven with Luka doing all the work. It's just not going to happen. I mean, there are even times where if we go back to the series, the finals, whenever they play the Cavs, it was almost like we were fine with LeBron going off and getting his numbers and even dropping 40-point games. It was a matter of don't let Kyrie get 41 next to him, and that's that was the problem in 2016 and, and like in game five when that happened. Don't let these other guys who are role players get in rhythm and hit their shots because that's when you're really in trouble because Luka's a phenomenal playmaker. So if Luka's going off for 40, that's fine. But if Spencer Dinwiddie or Jalen Brunson or Tim Hardaway Jr. are lighting it up, that's when you're in trouble because the Warriors are just so mistake-prone. They're so mistake-prone, and that to me is their biggest problem. Even if they get through this series, who you can't do that against Miami or Boston. You really can't. You know, mention, mentioning the turnovers being the issue, it's funny because actually after game two of the semis against Memphis, I jumped on a space with 95-7 the game, and Damon Bruce was on there as well. And that was awesome because I've listened to that dude all the time I lived in the Bay, um, especially on the way to Warriors games. He was just – he was always on. Um, and they brought me up there to speak on, on that loss. And, you know, they were all saying, you know, it was the shooting in that game. And then I was like, no, it, it was the turnovers. It wasn't really the shooting. Like, sure, the shooting was bad. I'm not saying it wasn't a part of it. They shot terribly in that game. But the 18 turnovers was the biggest problem because the Warriors were beating the Grizzlies in multiple statistical categories. <clears throat> so my thing was, it was, they were literally five bad passes away from winning the game, probably. Like, that cost them the game. It was like five bad passes. And then Damon was looking up the stats, and he was going through them, and you know, stat by stat, and at first he was like, holy shit, like they won in points in the paint, and it didn't feel like that, um, and he agreed, like after he looked it up, like he, he agreed, and, and that kind of stuff just, it can't happen 
in this series. It can't happen in the finals if you make it past the series. And I actually have a stat for this. Um, actually, I have to update this stat because I was looking at it before the Warriors game one ended. But going into this series, right, the Warriors in these playoffs averaged 15.8 turnovers per game. Basically 16, right, if you round up. And I've mentioned this before, right, when, when they commit 16 turnovers or more, the winning percentage for them is drastically different than if they commit 16 or less. So actually they were 18 and 12 this year in games where they committed 16 or more turnovers. 18 and 12, it's close to 500. Here's where the problem becomes bigger. So entering the series, the Mavericks in these playoffs are averaging only 10.3 turnovers per game. So the Warriors commit nearly six more turnovers per game than their opponent in these playoffs. An opponent that is talented nonetheless and a better defensive team than given credit for, the key for the Warriors here is just not making those mental errors. It's not making the mental errors. Don't give Dallas a chance to beat you because Luka's going to take that chance. He's going to take that chance. And they just don't have... Dallas just doesn't do it Right, that the way that the Warriors do in terms of the, the mental errors. Like the Warriors, when they make when they have turnovers, it's not just like they're turning the ball over, it's the quality of the turnovers so bad. Like Steph Curry sometimes he has these turnovers where it's like, dude, what are you doing? Or Draymond Green just like trying to force a like a back cut and just like throws it off three guys' legs and it goes out of bounds. Like some of their turnovers are just so horrible to watch. And then it always ends up as a basket on the other end. It just feels like, and it just kills momentum. And you just sit there like, why? Like, it genuinely looks like sometimes, like, you guys aren't even focused. There are some games in the Memphis series that genuinely felt like I was watching a pickup basketball team at 24-hour fitness. If I'm mostly talking about game five. You can't do that. You really, really can't do that. And the reason I have this going six games is because I believe there's going to be a game where Luka is just unstoppable and the rest of the Mavericks just do at least enough to get a single-digit win, right? They're, they've got to get one. I mean, they got four against Phoenix, so I'm going to assume they'll get one against the Warriors. And I also believe that there's going to be at least one game in this series where the Warriors just don't show up. I'm not saying it's going to be like game five of the semis don't show up, but I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, they already shot bad from three in game one, so I'm thinking more like they have 21 turnovers um, they miss a bunch of free throws the splash bros never get going you know the first half was much uglier looking than the second obviously the second half they turn things around between Steph Clay and Poole but just in totality of the game it's like they don't have like these wire-to-wire -wire games where guys look in rhythm right game three against Memphis was cool because they scored 142 but outside of that it just looks so difficult for this team to get in rhythm right now and I think a lot of it has to do with the mental errors a lot of it just has to do that. A lot of it's just mental. Um, and that's just stuff that they got to check. You got you to gotta check that stuff. And I just think they're going to turn the ball over like crazy in at least one game. And it's going to drive everyone insane. Like fans are going to be watching at home, losing their minds at the constant mistakes. And I think it's the missed shots that we can live with, right? Because that's just the nature of basketball. Right? Even the best shooters they're going to have nights where nothing's going to fall. Nothing will drop. Like we've seen it from clay. We've seen it from Steph Curry this year. 
That's just the nature of basketball and the law of average sometimes just doing its job. But passing the ball out of bounds, trying to thread the needle when the cut just isn't there, making a skip pass that gets telegraphed, you know, those are the all those are all the avoidable problems. That's why to me turnovers are a bigger issue because those are avoidable. You you can you can avoid that by not having mental errors, by not losing focus, by communicating, right? Shots sometimes it just it rims out. Sometimes the bounce doesn't go your way. That's fine. Because my, my main point here that I'm trying to, to get across, I guess, is I just need to see the Warriors demonstrate in this series that they can address that issue, not just for like a game, but I need to see throughout the course of this series, okay, there's been dramatic improvement. Because let's say they win, but maintain those bad habits. Miami and Boston, two very deep, very athletic teams, very skilled. They're better. They're both better teams than Dallas. It's really hard to play against teams like that when you're just giving them more opportunities, when you're giving Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown more opportunities, as tough as they are as defensive players as well on that team. And Miami, Jimmy Butler's, he's got that dog in him, like people like to say. Like he's just, That's who he is in the playoffs. I mean, he was going full Minnesota T-Wolves scrimmage on the Celtics in game one. I mean, the dude's ridiculous. I never was at that big of a believer in Jimmy Butler, in all honesty, until he took the heat to the finals in the bubble, and I saw the way he played there. Like, that's where Jimmy Butler just... He earned my level of respect. Like, okay, this dude's legit. Um, you don't want to go up against that, and you're giving him opportunities. You don't want to. You don't want to give them energy. Like, that's going to get another team going. Right? That ball carries energy. That's why it's really hard. You know, for anyone who plays basketball, you understand that the less you touch the ball, the harder it's going to be to hit your shots. The harder it's going to be to feel comfortable in the game. And when you're giving the ball away, when you get a steal, when you get a block, the amount of energy that you get just from feeling the basketball, but especially in plays like that, it just swings so differently for your entire team. Those breakaway dunks, like they're giving teams not just opportunities, but they're giving them their energy. And you can't let that happen. You cannot let that happen. It feels like it's like these little things that maybe don't matter as much as I'm trying to make it seem, but trust me, they do. I promise you they, they matter a whole damn lot, the little things. The little things definitely matter. All the mental things, your approach. Like the whole Memphis series to me was so mentally draining with all the shit talking, all the beef going on. I mean, Dylan Brooks with his dirty-ass play and saying like, oh, I, I forgot what he said, but he said something so stupid. Um something about how Gary Payton fell like no shit dude you clubbed him in the side of the skull in midair and, and just hearing and then John Morant tweeting you know broke the code because of the Jordan Poole tug it, it it just felt so draining and that to me was why if you follow me on social media I was so hard on Memphis I was so hard on John Morant and Dylan Brooks and all these guys because when you talk like that when you have that kind of mentality you don't have the focus. You will mentally collapse. People like to say the Warriors are front runners. And listen, I've seen instances where Steph Curry and, and, and the Warriors do things, and I say, like, shit, like, come on, like, what are you doing? Believe me. But if you want to know what a front runner is, the Memphis Grizzlies are a perfect, perfect example of front runner. Same for Phoenix. I mean, 
Memphis was out there in game one. They were in a tough game. Draymond gets ejected, and it was bullshit ejection. They go on a bit of a run. John Morant scores on a rookie who's 19 years old and then starts pointing at him, saying, like, you can't guard me and stuff like that. Talking to a rookie. I mean, that was a team that was hitting a gritty on the T-Wolves logo when they barely won the series and were losing by a lot of points in a lot of those games in that series. Supposedly, there were things that were said. don't know how much of it's true, how much of it is not, but supposedly, like, Dylan Brooks was, like, already calling themselves a dynasty. I mean... The amount of shit-talking that's gone on between those two teams, it was so mentally draining. And that's where I was concerned for the Warriors to not get so wrapped up in this game within the game, in this beef that has nothing to do with their championship aspirations. This is a team that's on the high of winning their first fucking playoff series. And to me, I felt like the Warriors, a lot of the series, were stooping down to that level, buying into that beef, like just... I'm not trying to say shut up and dribble, but just focus on your business. Focus on the task at hand. Like, if you're Draymond Green, like, to me, after that game five, you know, like when Steph Curry going into game five was saying, like, we're going to whoop that trick. I heard that, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Once I heard that, I was like, oh, no. That's just It just never tends to go that way. Um, it started to remind me a lot of, like, when Clay Thompson in 2016, and this is where Clay learned his lesson, too, because 2016, I remember Clay. The whole incident happened with Draymond and LeBron, and Clay was saying, like, it's a man's league. And that was the famous clip of a, a reporter mentioned it to LeBron at the presser, and he started doing that giggle. Went off after that giggle, never lost after that giggle. So hearing that and, and seeing Steph get clowned for it in the game because the, they started playing the song and then seeing Draymond dance with the crowd to it, I get it. But to me, it was like, I'm just seeing a team that was so wrapped up in shit that they should know does not matter. And people are acting like it doesn't matter. It matters. If it didn't matter, go back to game one of the semis. Remember, Clay Thompson said that Andre Godala went up to him to try to calm him down because Clay was hyped, right? He hit that three. He got the stop on Jaw to close out game one when Draymond was gone. And Andre Godala went up to him to try to calm him down. Like, hey, it's one game. Like, what are you doing? Also, there's a clip. So when Draymond was in the tunnel of that game, and this is after, and he was greeting everyone in the tunnel, you can see the clip from the tunnel. Andre Godala, when he gets up there, he's not dapping up Draymond and all that. He, you can tell he's like saying, like, dude, calm down. Like, channel this. What are you doing? You can see it in his face. It's obvious. That's why I love the presence of Andre Godala because this stuff does matter. Here's why it matters. If this was the team with Kevin Durant, I would say, who gives a shit, right? The difference is, Yes, Steph and Clay and Draymond and even Andre. You guys understand. Even Kevon Looney. You guys understand what it takes to win a championship. You guys understand that you can talk your shit and do whatever you need to do, and you're still going to be able to be prepared enough to go chase that title. Jordan Poole doesn't. Andrew Wiggins doesn't. Jonathan Kaminga sure as hell doesn't. He's still trying to find his place in the league. Damian Lee definitely doesn't. That's the point is... With any organization or any team, you take on the personality of your leader. You take on the personality of your leader. And look at the Grizzlies, for instance. John Morant and his Twitter antics, that dude threatened to shoot somebody over some beef or something like that the other day and deleted his tweet. 
supposedly I, I i suppose like supposedly a real tweet and it got deleted i saw like four things that supposedly jaw tweeted that got deleted i don't know how much of it was real i know some of them for sure were i don't know if that one specifically was but like the jordan pool thing and 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 the coach and and their coach basically being curious george over there in the fucking press conferences basically trying to get jordan pool suspended and then he was curious about some other bullshit. Oh, the Draymond, like, block on Jaron Jackson in game four. He was curious once again. Like, just shut the fuck up. You lost. You lost. Like, it's just... That's why, to me, all these things matter. Your mindset, your approach to certain situations in these games, it matters. This is a marathon. It's a mental grind. It's not just... You know, going out there, doing your job, and hitting shots. It is a mental grind. If you don't have that mental edge, any team can overcome you. Phoenix didn't have that mental edge. They were front runners. Devin Booker on the floor, flopping and acting on the floor. You see, there's a video of this. Turns to the fans, smiling. Then when he gets up, he says, that's the Luka special. Yeah, Luka gave you a real special two games after that. That's what happened. So, these things do matter. Because who showed up in Game 7? Who didn't? And I'm not saying that's the sole purpose, but it's a mentality. That's why certain guys have that X factor. The, the you know, I love to say this, but like the, the traits, the um, intangibles, the things that are hard to quantify, right? That we always talk about. But it, it matters. Right? That's why you watch some quarterbacks in the NFL, and sometimes you can't even really explain it, but you're like, there's something about this guy. Like when Dak first stepped up into a Dallas uniform, I watched him, and I was like, there's something about this dude. Deshaun Watson coming out of college, I was like, there's something about this dude. The way he was able to lead Clemson down the field against Alabama in a championship game and, and win the championship. There's something about those X-Factor guys. They're focused. Look at the 2016 Warriors. They weren't that focused. The way that they were buying into that beef. You know who was not buying into it was LeBron James. That team blew a 3-1 lead. Their mentality matters. And I know I'm kind of going off into this tangent about mentality. This isn't going to be as long a podcast today. But I'm just saying that there have been times where it is a little bit concerning only because I'm not concerned about Steph Curry or Draymond or Clay and those guys. It's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about you need to set a clear-cut example for how Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kuminga and these other guys are supposed to go into these games mentally. You set that example. You set that bar as leaders on this team. Because if they see, oh, Steph Curry going out there talking about whooping that trick, then, then you guess what? Jordan Poole at some point is going to think, like, oh, I can do that too. I can talk my shit. And Jordan Poole talks a lot of shit. It's actually a cool cool clip of Damian Lillard I saw the other day talking about how he was talking mad shit to him years ago just just years ago um and, and I thought that was great go find that clip if if you don't if you haven't seen it. I think he was talking with Bill Simmons not 100% sure but it was, it was pretty fun pretty fun to listen to but that's all cool and everything when you're a team that you know like if you're if like I said the Kevin Durant teams it's fine you know, you, what do you really have to worry about at that point in reality? As long as you're healthy, you, no way you should lose. 
But this is a pretty even matchup, in my opinion. Um, not the Dallas series, but if you get to the finals, I do think the Warriors are better. But the way that Boston plays defense, the way that Jason Tatum, they don't really have a guy to check Jason Tatum. The way that Jalen Brown's athleticism is and, and Marcus Smart on defense, um, looking at the way Jimmy Butler plays on both ends in the playoffs, Bam out of bio can be a matchup problem. There are other guys that can come off that, you know, be on the perimeter for, for that uh, Miami Heat team that contribute. Max Struess, Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, um, P.J. Tucker, who they're familiar with. There's guys that can make an impact on that team. Kyle Lowry is on the Miami Heat also. You know, it's – you have to be have a respectable fear of your opponent. I've always been a believable or a believer in that. And, and that's kind of coming down from Greg Popovich. You have to have that respectable fear, right? Um, the Patriots didn't exactly have the most fun, but they won. Well, you bet your damn ass that they were always in fucking contention for a championship because Bill Belichick always had their mind right. He always had their head on straight. Greg Popovich seemed like they didn't have that much fun, right? It was led by Tim Duncan, and they had Tony Parker and Mono Ginobili, but damn, they won championships, and they were damn good every single year. They were damn good. Having your head on straight matters a lot more than people think. I'm not saying don't have fun, but damn, just just channel it. Just channel it until you get it done because it's so much better when you can talk all that shit all off season long and all next season because you have that damn banner that you put up in your arena. You know what I mean? It's it's just so much better when you do that. It's so much better. Just just You're so close. Just finish the job. Just, just finish the job. And people people were kind of going at me saying that they don't agree with that, but I would tell them this. Kobe Bryant's a very respected legend in not just sports but life. Seeing the Draymond stuff dancing after game, you know, toward the end of game five uh, when they were playing whoop that trick, what would Kobe have said if he was a teammate? You know what I mean? Would he have done that? No. We know that famous presser when people were saying, like, are you satisfied? And he was like, job's not finished. That's kind of my mentality. It's just a difference in mentality. Um, it's just a very, very slight concern because I think that can carry over into play, into those turnovers, into those mental lapses or not communicating on defense or being late on rotations or just not coming into the game with the right level of energy, which is what happened in that game five loss. <clears throat> you know, that, that's the type of thing you definitely need to avoid when you get this deep. You got away with it in the second round. Now, now shit gets real. Shit gets real because I'm going to be real. Um, I've been in a lot of these playoff games, and, and I experienced Oracle Arena. The deeper you get into the playoffs, the quieter your home crowd gets because the prices get so much more expensive. The real true fans, a lot less of them can go. Um, you got all these corporate people, and it becomes a wine and cheese type crowd. It gets quieter. The energy does change. You'd think, like, no, on the bigger stage, it's louder. It is different as an environment in terms of when you get to the finals. The closer you get to the finals, it feels like, the whole sports world is in your building. Like it's in one confined area, especially in the finals. I mean, you'll see everybody there. Um, I've met a lot of people at the finals or seen a lot of people at the finals. Met Stephen A. Smith at game five in 2017. His whole family sat next to me. Um, it's it's a different environment. Like you're really in, a, in the room with a lot of a lot of people that you see on TV all season long. They're all in the same room as you. It's really surreal. But the crowd itself changes. It changes, and especially with an already expensive arena in Chase Center. That's why people were kind of tweeting like, man, this crowd's not really getting it done 
it's the conference finals. You're getting deeper. It'll get quieter when the finals come around. I guarantee you that. Assuming they get there. I believe they will. But it's just hard to play against teams just by giving them opportunities and, and, and not showing focus and not showing intentionality, not showing intensity right out the gates and getting off to these slow starts. I mean, that would be the most heartbreaking way for them to not win it all this year is just by giving it away. Because all year long when they're in first place, right? And we're sitting there like, holy shit, this team's in first. Clay's not even back. The league's in trouble. Well, Clay's back, but it seems like they have a focus issue. Like they have a turnover issue. And they've always had a turnover issue, but it just seems more magnified at this point because I think it's, it's the quality of those turnovers. And the reality is that no team left in these playoffs, in my opinion, has a core of three players better than the Warriors do. And that's why I still give them the edge is because – I think all these teams left in the playoffs are deep. Dallas is not the deepest. I think that they're the least deep out of all the teams left. But if you're to look at the top-end talent, right when I was talking about the matchup between Phoenix and Dallas earlier, if you look at their top-end talent of every team here, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, not only all great players, all championship-level players championship experience and battle-tested players. And then after those three, you have Jordan Poole, who's an up-and-coming superstar, and Andrew Wiggins, who is an all-star starter this year. There's no excuse now. Their toughest matchups, in my mind, entering these playoffs are, are no longer a factor. I thought their toughest matchups this year were going to be the Bucks and... The Phoenix Suns. Brooklyn Nets could have been there too, assuming that that all worked out and that was a healthy team. That was not a healthy team. Things didn't work out. I mean, shit. The, ne the I've never seen a team, maybe I have, and I just can't think of it recently, but damn, a team lost both trades with the same player. They lost the first James Harden trade and they lost the next one. Wow. I mean, poor Kevin Durant being in Brooklyn over there. You know, I understand that Boston is no walk in the park with um, you know, Jason Tatum's really tough. But personally, I'd rather deal with Jason Tatum than Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's a guy that the Warriors just wouldn't be able to stop. You know, I, even if, like, let's say Middleton was available too, I probably believe they're back in the finals this year. That was my original thought. I thought that it was going to be the Warriors and Bucks, and it would go seven games. I thought the Warriors would come out on top. So, in my opinion, although I'm giving respectable fear and respectable credit to the everyone left in these playoffs outside the Warriors, if I'm to look at, Every single playoff run that the Warriors have had under Steve Kerr, this is clearly the easiest easiest um, road of resistance or path of resistance than any of those playoff runs. 2015 was tough. It was pretty tough it, even just looking at the finals just because you had to play LeBron as your first matchup in the NBA Finals as a pretty young team. That was tough. 2016, that was also really tough. Oklahoma City, those conference finals, that was a damn good team. And then the Cavs, and you lost. 2017, oh, that Spurs team would have been, that, that, that would have been tough, assuming that Kawhi stayed healthy. Um, and the Cavs were a tough team too. I mean, Kevin Durant hit a really clutch shot, you know, over LeBron in that transition three. I mean, that could have been a closer series if Kevin Durant doesn't hit that shot. 
this good, this damn good team they played. 2018 um, and 2019, they had to go through Houston both times. And then obviously the Raptors got them in 2019. I know the Warriors were really injured. But this year, I mean, you're talking about, with all due respect, a fourth seed Dallas Mavericks team that has one star player. You're talking about the Miami Heat, who, in my opinion, have one star player. Bam Adebayo is pretty damn good. But I, I say Jimmy Butler's the one star player, like superstar player. Max Struess and Tyler Harrow and and Boston's got okay Jason Tatum he's a stud Jalen Brown tier below that Marcus Smart okay he got handed the Defensive Player of the Year because Draymond just didn't play as many games Al Horford like what are we talking about here that this is this is the easiest path of resistance the Warriors have had in the Steve Kerr era do not mess this up they are their biggest opponent right now. It just seems like we can't get a clean game out of these guys, and that's what's the most frustrating because the Warriors were doing that all year until Draymond got hurt. That was the moment everything changed for this team. You need to get back to that. You need to get back to that, and you have a little bit of time, but you need to get back to that. Just get going early. You know, Don't rely on like these second-half runs, which I get it. The Warriors have always been second-half teams, but get going early stop putting yourself in positions where you're just making it tougher for yourself you know what i'm saying that's where i want to see the warriors get to and it's kind of a thing where now we're this deep i don't expect it to happen so that's why i'm just giving more respect to these other teams although i do understand at the same time just looking at the personnel looking at it on paper i still don't i still don't believe these teams are going to beat them four times in the span of seven games i just don't see it I've been saying all year, the Warriors are going to be the champions of 2022, and I think Steph Curry's finally going to get that finals MVP, unless the voters decide to rob him again, for all we know. But that's just the stuff I want to get into today. I want to get a quick basketball episode out. Um, I'm probably going to be traveling quite a bit more in the next few weeks too, but I'll try to make sure I can pump these episodes out. But super quickly, um, just want to drop this here. Jesse Naylor, if you did me the pleasure and listened to this whole thing, by the way, Jesse of Last Second Sports, he's a GOAT. Amazing at what he does, but uh, I'm sorry, man. Kyrie Irving is greater than Damian Lillard all time. Not drinking the Dame Kool-Aid. I'm not drinking the Dame Kool-Aid, man. Oh, I hope you're listening to this. Sorry, their numbers are very similar. They're very identical. Kyrie Irving played on teams of superstar players like LeBron James for multiple years, which is going to tank your numbers. He's got a championship out of it. Dame Lillard has a little bit of numbers, shoots more consistently from farther away, and has the badge of saying that he's stuck with the grind. I'm sorry. Kyrie Irving's greatest handle of all time, one of the greatest finishers of all time. Sorry, man. If I, if I, if I had to guard one player to save my life, I'm picking Dame, bro. Kyrie greater than Dame. Just want to throw that out there. That was very important. That's actually the point of me making this episode. It's so that I can just just drop that in here. So that was for you, Jesse. But I will be make sure to be back with more episodes. Obviously, we're getting closer to the finals. And assuming the Warriors get there, I'm going to try to heavily cover that. Um, that's going to be really awesome to see the Warriors back in the finals. Man, it's going to make a lot of grown men cry on Twitter. It's already been doing it. They can't stand that the Warriors are back. So... It's going to be a fun ride, and it's going to be a fun few episodes. I've been jumping on some other people's stuff recently, too. I jumped on with Peter Lucas of the Niner Fanatic. I jumped on with um, Rohan and a bunch of other guys for a roundtable discussion. I hope to keep jumping on other things as well. So I'll try to make sure I add that stuff into playlists or, or um, you know, link those live streams into this channel as well. So just make sure you guys catch that. Um, the live stream we did with Rohan and the roundtable is already on my YouTube as well. So 
Um, if you're not, if you're not listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music, just know we're available there too. But I'll make sure that everything I do post gets put onto this YouTube channel. So it was great to be back, and I'm still recovering from the damn after effects of this damn sunburn that I got from the sunny beach of San Diego. I don't regret it. Um, it was an awesome weekend, awesome beach. I don't see a lot of beaches anymore in Arizona. Man. So I'll be back with more episodes. Can't wait to see what the Warriors do the rest of this series. Can't wait to see Steph Curry finally shut a hell of a lot of people up when he gets that Bill Russell Finals MVP trophy because I think it's coming. But we'll just have to see. So I'll catch you guys on the next one.